0: Eric, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into the greatest movie of all time today on the podcast Casablanca.
1: You must remember
0: this. A kiss is still a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh.
1: The fundamental things apply
0: as time goes by. Hello everyone and welcome to The Greatest Movie of All Time, the podcast where we watch every single movie ever made and then we decide whether or not it is the greatest movie of all time. I am your co-host Rick Barrasso. I am your co host, Mr. Derek Smith. All right. Well, Derek, last week we talked about well, I should say I shouldn't say last week, I should say last time. Yeah. Last time we talked about the Lion King. Yeah, we've got uh you know, we we did get some feedback on that. Seems like the uh the choice from who I've talked to. The Oscars should have a category specifically for voice acting as opposed to mixing those in. Yeah, you know, with it's only the- fair. It's only fair, Rick. I think so. I think there's some gray area, and like I said, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get to some points later on in the podcast. We're talking about things like motion capture, where 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 does that fit in? But that's a discussion for another day. The discussion for today is about Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, straight up front. This is probably one of my five to ten favorite movies of all time. Uh, I love this movie. I am an out and out honk for this movie like you it's 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 going to get tough to criticize it for me i just, i just love it a lot
1: this should be a, a fun one because I, I don't think i'm as passionate about it as you are so it should make really? for an interesting conversation yeah i mean keep in mind i saw it when i was younger and i didn't remember a single thing about it um, besides okay. the famous line so when i watched it <clears throat> cough cough this morning um i you know i was into it i was out of it i was into it i was out of it i was into it i was into it, was into it. so it, you know, it could have just been me too, but um, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 get into it. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about a Casablanca, uh 1942 movie. It was made at the height of World War Two. You've got uh, obviously Humphrey Bogart starring as Rick Blaine, get Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa Lund, Paul Henried as Victor Laszlo, the three main characters. Uh, directed by a Michael Kuritz. Currently sporting an 8.5 on the Internet Movie Database, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a rare perfect 100% on Metacritic. Mm. So this is a critically and publicly adored movie, I would say. Uh, Derek, you said that you were younger when you saw this. When when about did you see it for the first time?
1: Honestly, it, it w- I wasn't a kid. I think I actually started watching it. I think I watched it. It was definitely less than like 10 years ago. Um, so not that much younger. Um, we're talking, I'm 33 now, maybe when I was 23, but I think I I tried to watch it because I knew I had to watch classics. And the the, the problem with some of these movies that I watch is that I have to force myself to get into them when I don't feel like I am. Um, and that, 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 that can hurt the movie experience for me, but that's, that's on me in the end. Um, but yeah, I would say about less than 10 years ago.
0: Yep, uh, I saw it. I, I think I was a little bit younger. I was probably eighteen or nineteen. It was similar. I was in college. I really this is actually when I first got Netflix with the discs. So I I really was making effort to get all these classic movies where I couldn't necessarily buy them or justify to myself buying them on dvd uh as as a broke college student you
1: sound ancient when you say netflix netflix discs
0: yes oh it's (laughs) it's it's disgusting it is absolutely disgusting but yeah the it that's that's what i was trying to do i was trying to watch a lot of these movies where we're going to discuss on the podcast where uh i wouldn't necessarily have seen them otherwise as you know a high school kid who you know a nerd who watched action movies and comic book movies and stuff like that so that really made an effort and this really uh this re- one really stuck with me so let's let's talk about what happens in the movie yeah you know, because it, one of the things in deciding what, really what is the best movie of all time as we say story's gonna grab you it's gonna be interesting we need to uh, to go over and, and decide if everything makes sense if everything works so let's talk about it so We open in Casablanca. It's a city in Morocco where refugees from World War II gather to make their way to freedom, uh, the next step ideally to Lisbon and then on to America. For a lot of unfortunate people, they have neither the money nor the influence to get out of the city. So really, it's a gathering place. We start out news comes over the wire that some official documents, which you're later going to learn, are letters of transit, have been stolen off of two murdered Nazi couriers and they are heading for Casablanca. And Derek, a theme that's going to develop with me, anytime you get dead Nazis in a movie, it's going to it's gonna bounce it up a few uh, a few points from me.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, for some reason, uh, I felt some Inglorious Bastards type things in this movie. Like I can see that Tarantino definitely got some influence, at least a little bit from this film. At least that's what I saw.
0: I agree. I think there's a – I think – Tarantino was influenced by this. I think Star Wars, George Lucas was influenced by this a lot. I see a lot of Han Solo and Rick Blaine. But uh, yeah, I, I I think this is a very influential movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the other thing about this, and when you're killing Nazis in movies, this was made in 1942. This was just about the height of World War II. Yep. The, there's not really even equivalent today. Y- you could say, oh, we'll make a movie about the war in you know, Afghanistan or, you know, somewhere in the Middle East, but it doesn't have that same punch because right. it it just doesn't, Nazis are just the ultimate villain.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh,
0: so we, we then see local authorities are tearing through the city and, you know, in some cases, even killing those without proper documentation. And we first hear now of Captain Renault, who is going to be played by Claude Rains a bit later, how he's bringing in women who are really not, suspects or anything like that so we do know that that he's corrupt right away before we even meet him you know i, I love Renault in this movie but it's set up and i love that scene as well where the uh the crook sort of steals the the wallet from the the couple at the restaurant
1: yeah and and, and the way he does it too almost it, it took me by surprise as well yes. um i was like oh i just realized he did that and that was kind of cool and it was yep. yeah yeah
0: uh, so then a, uh, a plane actually lands in Casablanca, and out come some Nazi officers. Most notably, uh, one we're really going to to know is uh, Major Strasser, and he's played by Conrad Veidt. Derek, Conrad Veidt starred in a movie before this called The Man Who Laughs. Have you ever seen a picture of Conrad Veidt?
1: I cannot believe I didn't catch that myself. Yep. Holy
0: crap. Yep. He... Legally, I don't think we can say that uh, DC Comics stole that and created the Joker, but uh, if you guys are listening, just Google Conrad Veidt, the man who laughs, and really just just look at it. That is as close to the, as close to the Joker as you can get without being the wow, Joker. Wow, I can't believe I didn't catch that. Yep. Yeah. Now, Strasser is uh, speaking to local authorities. They're explaining they've rounded up twice the usual amount of suspects, but they already know who the killer is. And they know where he's going to be. He's going to be at Rick's Cafe American tonight because everybody goes to Rick's. And that is actually the title of the book that the movie is based on. Everybody goes to Rick's. Uh-huh. So then we go and see Rick's. And this is where I get Star Wars because this, to me, we get the scene where we're seeing everybody. This is so much like the cantina to me. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Right. And we we meet Sam. He's a piano player, African-American gentleman. He's entertaining Full House. People are really just lamenting their fate to be stuck here. They're selling jewelry. They're trying to plot an escape. Uh, There's a group playing cards that asks to speak to Rick, but they're informed that Rick never drinks with customers. And then we meet Rick, Humphrey Bogart. He's in a white tuxedo, and he is smoking a cigarette. He's playing chess against nobody, it looks like. Mm -hmm. But to me, this is Bogie at the absolute height of what it means to be cool he's you can't say he's quite holding court but everyone there is deferential to him yeah everyone looks to him if something out of the ordinary happens or they need something he's the guy to talk to but he's very detached and he's very very slow to actually help a french a french man who believes himself to be upper class i think he says he's the head of some sort of bank he Mm -hmm. tries to get in this back room where rick is there's gambling going on there uh, he's trying to sort of bully his way in, but he's he's turned away. While this is going on, Ugardi, played by Peter Lorre, the great Peter Lorre, who is the star of a uh, future episode M. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that incredible movie? Just a great actor, looks incredibly creepy. By the way, as as I go through my uh, my summary here tonight today, I am going to just there are some points where I'm just not going to be able to uh, to top the script, so I'm just going to quote it. Starting starting here, so. Mm-hmm. We'll get there in a second. So Rick and Ugarty are making smart, small talk, and Ugarty brings up the murders of those Nazis. Ugarty is probably what would be called today a coyote, trying to bring people over the border, trying to smuggle them out of the country. And he reveals to Rick that he has the letters of transit and he'll be selling them for a pretty large profit. He asks Rick, the only man in Casablanca that he deems trustworthy, to hold them, uh, hold them for him. Ugarty they seem to be friends, but they have a, a bit of a back and forth. But and, uh, I've, there, There's two in particular lines, uh, zingers really, that Rick has that I've, uh, I've noted here. Sue Gardie says, you despise me, don't you? Rick says, if I gave you any thought at all, I probably would. Mm. Which was almost, if you ever watch Mad Men, one of the sort of most well-known lines from that TV show you know, is, is the main character of that show saying basically the same thing to somebody else. If I, if I thought about you at all, I'd probably hate you. Right. Uh, and then Ugardi, what about those that can't meet Renault's price? I can get it for them for half. It's not so parasitic. Rick says, I don't mind a parasite. I object to a cut rate one. <laughs> But somehow they're friends. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a weird relationship. Definitely. Ugarte's not in the movie too much longer after this, so we don't get too much more information on that.
1: It's funny. I thought he was going to be a major character too, and then I was like, oh, okay.
0: He is a major character, but he but he doesn't have a lot of time in the movie, I feel yeah. like. We, we go back to the bar, and Sam is, is playing another tune. Rick kind of subtly slides those transit papers into his piano at this point. Um, when he does that, a, a local mobster, Ferrari, which is – I mean, kind of hilarious now that he's named Ferrari. Uh, But at the time, it was a perfectly serviceable character name. Uh, He actually makes an offer to either buy the bar or Sam's services. Rick rejects him outright. Ferrari then tries to pitch Rick on human trafficking. I don't
1: sell human beings.
0: I don't sell human beings. That's weird, right? Because Ferrari is kind of a sympathetic character throughout the rest of the movie. right. And that's just kind of weird. There's like, let's just sell people. And Rick's like, no.
1: Yeah, I love the dialogue there, too. I even, I even wrote that down. I love when he, you know, he says, oh, well, he'll pay you double. And he's like, well, I can't even, I don't even have time to, to spend the money. You pay me. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah. So Rick, at this point, then kicks a, uh, kicks a woman out of the bar. She appears to have some kind of romantic attachment to him. She she comes up later in the movie. She's with one of the Nazi officers, right? And it's almost like she's trying to make Rick jealous. But at this point, Ilsa has has arrived, and just Rick doesn't even give her the time of day. So it's it's a kind of a pretty interesting character. There's a lot watching at this time. There's a lot of characters we see in the background that become more major characters as uh, as time goes by. Uh, no pun intended. But when so when he's kicking this woman out, he bumps into Renault, yep. and uh, he's sitting at a table outside the bar. Renault and Rick have this great relationship as well, where they're just consistently trying, they're almost trying to one up each other and get the advantage on the other one, but they never quite can. Yeah. Until the end of the movie, where Rick sort of has his final gambit. So Renault is uh, speculating as to why Rick ended up in Casablanca, uh, but Rick is refusing to say. I believe at this point, we sort of learn that Renault has a file on Rick, and that Rick, in the past, had been a freedom fighter in in the Spanish Civil War. And he like, and,
1: what he like, he like sold guns to like Ethiopia yes. or something.
0: Yes, he's he's selling guns, and he's saying he's doing it to make money, but he's only selling guns to like anti fascist
1: Right. Yeah. He's
0: not. He's clearly has some. Sorry, any conservatives who might be listening. Uh, you know, Rick anti- is a
1: straight-up liberal.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yes. Yeah. I mean you can probably tell that if you listen to previous episodes or know me at all. But uh, Rick <laughs> – oh, the Rick, Rick Blaine is as well.
1: Rick, uh, uh, well, that's what I mean. Rick in yeah. the movie is a straight-up Both Rick. Ricks. I didn't say – I didn't mean Rick Barrasso. <laughs> yeah.
0: Both Ricks are straight-up liberals. But Rick <laughs> Blaine tries to hide it even though his sympathies are really clear. Yeah. You know, especially you know, it, it, it's a
1: smart move it really is i mean especially you're in the middle of all that stuff you stay neutral you're gonna live longer right you know, so
0: right and he set himself up in in casablanca really at sort of the end of the world for a lot of these people so renault at this point gives rick a heads up that they're going to be arresting ugardi and strasser is going to be there to witness it furthermore victor laszlo who is is coming to casablanca laszlo is a Another a well known freedom fighter, and this is the first and I think only time where Rick shows a brief instant of he's he hears that name, he hears the name Laszlo, and he is impressed. Yeah, he's like Victor Laszlo. Laszlo has escaped a concentration camp, and they describe him as leading the Nazis on a chase through Europe, uh, which Rick, Rick, I think, wants to be Laszlo in a lot of ways. You know, not knowing that. Yeah, really, Laszlo already has the thing he most wants in the world. So before he even knows that, he, Laszlo, to, it reads to me that, that Laszlo is really an idol of Rick.
1: You must have seen the film quite a few times to, to mm-hmm. have picked it up. Because for me, like, I just feel like Humphrey Bogart's performance is very, is very well done. But he hides his thoughts very well. He's got a poker face um, yes. for me. For me.
0: And to me, you have to really look into it and read that performance, but it's it's all there. Right, right. Because it's, and it's not necessarily in his performance. It's in the lines of other characters. You know, it's it's in how, how Strasser has to give him a once over a little bit later. Right. Because Rick can be a threat. And he's so wounded by Ilsa leaving him in Paris that he is not comfortable sharing his emotion. And right. he he does have these brief flashes where they come out where he almost can't control himself. Right.
1: It it, it almost reminded me of like the the James Bond thing where like he loved once oh, yeah. and it went badly and now he won't love again. You know oh yeah I the Daniel thing. the Daniel
0: Craig James Bond especially. Yeah. Right, right. You know, and, and a little bit I think of like the early Brosnan Bond as well. They they mm. have that element. There's a lot. And even like the white tuxedo is so James Bond. Yeah, right, right. So there's, there's a lot in this movie that shows up in places you might not expect. Yeah. So Renault, at this point, uh, he advises Rick not to let Laszlo get any documents at the cafe that would let him leave Casablanca because Laszlo is a high-value target. So Rick, uh, Rick bets Renault that Laszlo is going to find a way out, but Renault actually lets him know that it's going to be a bit more difficult for Laszlo because Laszlo is a girl coming with him. And before – Rick can get more information. They are interrupted by the arrival of Strasser and the arrest of Ugarte. Uh, uh,
1: let me ask you a question. I'm yep. going to break right through right now because yep. this might be kind of obvious, but for some reason, it's going way over my head. Why don't the Nazis just murder him in cold blood?
0: Murder uh, Ugarte? Laszlo?
1: I mean, he's escaped, he escaped the con- concentration camp. The Nazis are the Nazis. Why don't they just do that? They're not going to get arrested. The Nazis.
0: So I think it would probably start a riot mm. because this – and believe it or not, um, because we're in a, um, you know, in a society where certain politicians decide that the rules don't apply to them. <laughs> Even some Nazis tried to follow the rules of engagement I, because these are not Gestapo. I don't believe so until right. like, later in the movie when they break up the, the meeting. I believe those are Gestapo, but I don't think Strasser is Gestapo. So he is – and at this point, I, I think they don't want to kill him. They just want to trap him. They haven't decided what they want to do with him yet.
1: Right.
0: I, be, I believe this is some, some – because eventually there's a point where Strasser does go to Ilsa and say – basically Ilsa's is like, well, you told me yesterday it wasn't safe for him to leave Casablanca. Now you're telling him it's not safe to say. Right. I think they want to put him in a concentration camp because the, you have to remember the Nazis were – trying to hide their atrocities still at this point mm-hmm, okay so uh, by the way when ugardi is being arrested he does go to rick and ask for help and rick just declines he just steps back yep and, and lets it happen Renault at this point introduces rick and strasser uh strasser you know gives rick a real once over and you know tries to figure out if he's going to try to help laszlo but rick says no i'm neutral basically i'm gonna i'm gonna just i'm just gonna run my bar and this is the point where we find out that, uh, that Rick has fought fascism in the past, but he claims to have left that behind. Now Victor and his companion arrive, and Sam sees the woman, and it's Ilsa. And Sam knows that Ilsa and Rick have a past. And can I say, every time Ilsa is shot in this movie, she's lit differently almost than any other character. Hmm. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. She has so much soft light on her as opposed to everyone else who's harsh. And it just, it just makes Ingrid Bergman just look angelic.
1: Mm.
0: And and it's, it starts here. Yeah. The couple sits down and there's uh, a member of this underground uh, approaches them immediately and is looking to escape them, you know, assist them in escaping to America. He sort of says, come to me when you're, when you're ready to talk. Renault comes up, introduces himself to them, confirms to Ilse. Ilse sort of figures out pretty quickly that it's that Rick, the Rick from her past yep. that owns the bar at this point. And Strasser comes out right after Renault, and he and Victor have a really tense exchange about whether or not the Nazis have authority here. Yeah, because this is still unoccupied France. It is, it's neutral territory. Right, yeah. Victor excuses himself after uh, Strasser, and Renault leave. chooses uh, himself to go talk to that uh, the first man who approached them, uh, whose name is Berger. While Laszlo is otherwise occupied, Ilsa goes to Sam and requests that he play a song. And she has one of the many iconic lines, play it, Sam, play as time goes by. Sam pr- protests, but uh, Ilsa talks him into it. Rick hears Sam sing the song and he comes out. And this is one of those moments where you can see the cool, the facade drops. Mm. He's pissed. Yep. And, I don't want to hear that song. Yeah. I thought I told you never to play that again. And we see Rick and Ilsa, their eyes meet. And and to me, I just feel that, that history they have, just yep. right in that moment. Eventually, Victor comes back. Ilsa introduces Rick to him. And those three and Renault sit down for a drink, a first for Rick. And Renault is confused by this to say the <laughs> least he's happy he's confused is at this point where Renault has the, the line where he says oh this is uh Renault offers to put it on his tab before rick comes over and he says uh something like this is not a line i wrote down but it's, it just came back to me He's something like, oh we have a we, me and rick we have a uh, a great system here they put it on my tab i rip up the tab nobody gets the money it's great
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that is a good one He's got, a lot of, he's got a lot of good ones in this. cat. Yeah. Uh,
0: oh, Renault, Renault is on fire throughout the movie. Uh, and that character could be like a pushover, I feel like, but he's not. Uh, right.
1: Basically. Yeah.
0: Then they, they start talking and Rick and Ilsa, you know, talk about how they last met in Paris. Rick has another great line. He says, I remember every detail. The Germans were gray. You wore blue. Yeah. <laughs> Victor immediately cuts that shit short and they Ilsa, he and Ilsa leave. Renault at this point requests that they go to his office the following morning. Here's, here's, I would say here's a, a one, and maybe we, we, maybe we can save this for later, but if you're Victor in this situation and you, you see that, don't you not let her out of your sight for the rest of your, your hopefully brief trip to Casablanca? It's a little, yeah, he's a little bit, I don't know. I understand person. he's got loftier goals he's a and loser. he's he's confident in his his relationship, I guess because they I mean Victor and Elsa have quite the past as well uh but it, I feel like at that point it's like oh, this is a little this I don't know about this right, <laughs> but he's you know what that's victor so later after the bar is closed, Rick is drinking bourbon alone, and Sam approaches him and he asks Rick when he's going to bed. Rick is Rick won't go to bed because he's convinced Ilsa will come back to the bar. Sam refuses to leave his side, and Rick actually finally breaks here. He's thinking home, and he says, "Oh, I bet they're asleep all over America." You know, here's one of the the great lines in all of cinema. Yeah, uh, you know, the one I started the the episode with. You know, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Right, and there's a reason that resonates i think so deeply with people is because it is that feeling of longing and you see someone you maybe you don't expect and i think that's you know from 1942 to today people uh, people can relate to that one rick uh makes sam play as time goes by for him and that kicks uh kicks off a uh, flashback and you see ilsa and rick they're in paris they're happy they're in love Rick is toasting Ilsa with "Here's looking at you, kid." Mm-hmm. Other famous li- the the amount every scene almost has just an all time classic line. It's unbelievable. This even movie. even
1: for someone who didn't remember the movie, like when it when I was watching it, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, there are so many memorable, like famous lines from this that I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, you know what I mean.
0: And even like lesser known lines, like "Round up the usual suspects." They say at the end. Yep. That's where that movie got its title. Yeah, you know, it's just nonstop. Just the classic lines and moments. Uh, have I told you I like this movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in Paris and here's looking at you kid Ilsa at this point claims that the only other man she had in her life is dead but does not tell Rick too much about her past the Nazis are taking Paris they're, Rick and Ilsa are in, in another bar they're listening to Sam play their song they're drinking champagne they say the, the bartender would rather water the grass with champagne than let a Nazi have, have it Right. They are lamenting they're falling in love at the worst possible time. They're trying to escape to Marseille by train, but Ilsa doesn't show up. She leaves leaves Rick on the train, but she does leave him a note explaining that while she does love him, she can't go with him. Mm -hmm. Rick and Sam at this point begin their journey to Casablanca and a successful small business ownership. Back in the present day, Ilsa does arrive at Rick's bar, and she's trying to explain her actions, but Rick doesn't Accept it. He doesn't want to hear it. He asks Ilsa how long she and and he had together, and Ilsa says she didn't count the day. Rick says he did. Mostly he remembers the last one. Uh, Ilsa attempts again to explain her side of the story, but Rick just makes her so upset she leaves. Following morning, we go to Renault's office, and he's warning Strasser that he shouldn't underestimate Rick. Rick is a wild card. If he decides to get involved in the matter of the transit papers, there could be trouble. Ilsa and Rick arrive at Renault's office. And they meet with the police captain and they meet with the Nazi. and They're explaining that Victor and Ilsa will not be allowed to leave the city unless Victor tells Strasser the identities and whereabouts of resistance leaders around Europe. So I guess that answers your question. I didn't think of it at the time. That's why they haven't killed him, because he has information. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Victor at this point refuses because he is an honorable man. And he says they couldn't get him to talk in a concentration camp. They won't be able to get him to talk in Casablanca. Strasser lets them know at this point that Ugardi had been killed. Renault uh, has a line that I liked as well. He says, well, he have not quite decided if he committed suicide or if he died trying to escape. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that news ends the meeting uh, right away. At this point, they're, they're pretty certain that uh, Victor will have to turn to organized crime to get out of the city. I think Rick comes to that conclusion as well, because everyone goes to Ferrari's club, the Blue Parrot, Rick gets there first. Ferrari tells him that he's looking for the letters and he believes that Rick has them. Victor arrives as Rick is leaving uh, to try to work with Ferrari to get out of the city. Rick goes and sees Ilsa you know, trying to buy something, like a rug, I think it is, or a, some kind of clothing. Yeah. And this is this is the part where yeah, Rick shows up and the merchant's like, oh, for friends of Rick, uh, 50% off of uh, for very good friends of Rick 75% off yeah, and he yeah. just keeps going down they're ignoring him Rick apologizes to Ilsa for the previous night he was drunk and Ilsa tells him at this point he was that she was married to Victor even when they knew each other in Paris and Rick is sort of confused by this because obviously told him that uh, the man in, the li- in her life was dead uh meanwhile Ferrari explains to Victor well
1: oh, to be I was a second to be fair didn't she didn't she believe that
0: she did, but Rick doesn't know. Right, right. She doesn't know. that,
1: right, right. Doesn't that. Know, He doesn't know that yet. Okay, right, right. Yeah,
0: he only gets like half the story here.
1: And, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure that I got it right in my head. Okay.
0: But yeah, she's she's pissed at him at this point. Yep. So Ferrari is uh, telling Victor and Ilsa that, that basically Victor is too hot to move. He he can't help him, but he could get Ilsa out. And Victor immediately showing that he he is an honorable guy. He wants to take the, the deal. Ilsa says no. It's, it's more important to get Victor out. Ferrari at this point then tells Rick, he be- tells them that he thinks Rick has the letters to transit. So I think Ilsa at this point, if Rick didn't have those letters, I think she probably would have just, forget Rick. Like, I'm I'm with Victor. Let's get out. But
1: You think she would have shot him?
0: Well, she wouldn't have needed to. I think she just would have right. left him alone.
1: Oh, right, right.
0: Because it's, it's, I mean, we find out later that she I mean, she truly was in love with both men. Yeah. And I think it is painful for her to see Rick. But, you know, at this point, she's pissed at Rick. And th- th- she still thinks she's getting out at any time. She still thinks mm-hmm. she's, she's she's probably not going to deal with him again. But now she's kind of pulled back into his orbit. Rick is drinking and Rick's drinking a lot at this point <laughs> at, at his bar later on. And the Nazis show up uh, with Renault. And uh, Renault approaches Rick and tries to get more information in the letters. The you know, the, the Nazis are – and some French soldiers it looks like are, are starting to fight, but Rick breaks it up, which is really the first time he gets involved in anything other than kicking that one woman out of the bar. Mm-hmm. And Strasser at this point, while while Rick and all of them are otherwise occupied, explaining to Renault that he's probably going to kill Laszlo. And here we have I think – a, a great part of the movie, one of my favorites, is this, this, this young woman approaches Rick. And we've actually been seeing her and her husband in the background of a lot of scenes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I did notice her. Yep. And she asks him to vouch for Renault and Rick says, you know, he's, he's like any other man, only more so trying to sort of dismiss her. Uh, And she's saying, you know, her husband's at the roulette table trying to win money for exit visas. And Rick says to her, okay, well, Renault will probably keep his word if he told them to get them visas. However, they both know that if the husband doesn't get the money, She's going to have to have sex with her she's worried that her husband's going to do something stupid if she does that. Right. Victor and Ilsa arrive at the bar. Rick kind of spitefully tells Sam to play as time goes by to like to mess with Ilsa at this point., yep. I love how like that that song is used in so many different ways. It's like used aggressively and like wistfully, and mm. it's it's very versatile in this movie, yeah,
1: it's like a capture of its own.
0: Yeah. And Rick is starting to get motivated here. He, he sees those I don't I I don't know do you think he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart when he he at this point Rick he goes to the the roulette tables and he fixes it for the husband so the husband can get out. The couple goes to Renault, This is a funny line I thought. Uh the couple goes to Renault and says, "Oh, we're going to be at our, the office at 6 to pay for the for, to to give you the money for the papers." and Renault says, "I'll be there at 10." <laughs> And the staff all goes up to Rick and says, "Oh, congratulations! you Did a great thing." And Rick's like, "No, no, they're just lucky." And Renault goes to him again. This weird friendship relationship where Renault like wanted something, Rick screwed him out of it. And Rick's like, oh, and Renault rather is just like, "Ah, oh, just make it good the next night. We'll be fine." And do you think that Rick is doing this because he's a good guy, or is he doing it to like be an alpha in front of Ilsa? Like, what What do you think is, is, is his motivation there?
1: I think He's a good guy. I mean, that, that's what I got out of it. I was just kind of like, he, I mean, he fought for the correct side in my brain and he's just a good person. And I just think that, um, I think that's, I don't know. That, that That's what I got out of it personally, but I could see why somebody would maybe think he was trying to be alpha, but I don't know. I just saw that like, he's like, I'm going to do the right thing here, but who, who knows, I guess.
0: And then honestly, this, the next scenes are, Probably my favorite in the entire movie. And I'll tell you why in a second. So Victor and, and Rick, they go up to Rick's office. And Victor's offering his, offering money, just as, as much money as he can imagine, to, to Rick to get these papers. But Rick is refusing. Victor asks why, and he tells him, ask your wife. And while this is happening, we're, we go to the, the Nazi soldiers. are They're singing in German. And Victor just sees this and he just, he's just not going to have it. And he goes, to, he goes to the band and he tells them to play Marseillier, La Marcelier. And Rick kind of gives the okay, go ahead, nod. And he, they overtake, the French voices overtake the German voices. And I think it's such a beautiful scene because, remember this was made in 1942. These were actual French refugees that were singing this song. Yeah. These are not necessarily actors even. These are these are just extras. And when you see these these people crying, they're legitimately crying because they're they're so filled with patriotism. And I don't know, Derek. I know it's tough to imagine. But could you imagine if your country suddenly had a bunch of fascists in it? And you could do something that you felt extremely patriotic about. I know. Put yourself in those shoes for oof, a second. Oof! I just, I just don't know. I, it, it's very foreign to me. I can't imagine what that would feel like. But uh, you know what? These people are crying, and you know what? Maybe I shed a tear too. I, because, I
1: thought Victor was going to get
0: shot during this scene. Well, here's here's what I think. You know, as as we see the the, the French drown out the German, we see Ilse look at Victor. And I think in that moment, we see – because at this point, we don't really see what Ilsa sees in Victor. And I think at this point, we do. And we see what Strasser is afraid of because he has the innate ability to create these uprisings. Wherever he goes, he, for whatever reason, has – his personality can just – the pe- bring the people who are disenfranchised. Remember, these are people that are running for their lives and he can bring them together and he can drown them out with a song. He can cast them out of a city if he really wanted to. Yeah, for sure. That's why he's so dangerous and that's why Strasser wants him gone and wants him dead at this much. And this is this is when he basically decides, I'm definitely going to kill him and Strasser c- commands Renault to close the bar yep. and <laughs> Renault is a great line. It's all the delivery. So I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but you know, uh, Renault is like, I'm shocked, shocked to see the gambling is going on here. And Renault collects his winnings immediately after he, uh, after he says that
1: yep. he says,
0: shut the bar down. <laughs> yeah. At this point, this is where Strasser tells Ilsa basically applying unless Laszlo leaves for occupied France he's going to be either put in a concentration camp or killed. And Ilsa asks Victor about his talk with Rick that he had in the office. And Victor, I I don't know how we didn't know this before, but he's, maybe he knew this from the beginning, but he hasn't said anything. But he basically said, okay, I understand you and Rick had some kind of relationship while I was in the camp. No hard feelings. You thought I was dead. That's, That's no problem. Ilsa doesn't want to admit to it. You know, Victor later that night, is, is having a meeting of the underground uh, resistance in Casablanca and you know, keeps Ilsa away from that. Uh, Ilsa goes to Rick's apartment, which is above the bar, and she begs him to, to give the transit papers. She you know, is in, in fear for her husband's life, and Rick still refuses, and she's just chastising him. He's a coward. You're only thinking of yourself. You're not the person I knew in Paris. Mm-hmm. And She tells him you know, Victor is going to die and pulls a gun on him. And Rick just calls her bluff.
1: Yeah. We just not
0: fair in this guy whatsoever in this point. Right. And he he has, I don't know if Rick is, he's, I feel like Rick in this moment, because he just walks up to her and says, I'll make it easier for you and puts the gun right up to his chest. I think whatever happened at that point, Rick would probably be okay with it. Yeah. yeah if he I'm was, if he was gonna die, yeah, he'd like Ilse to be the one to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She doesn't kill him. That'd be that'd be quite the twist. But she does not kill him. She actually breaks down. She admits to Rick that she's still in love with him, and they embrace. And we cut away. And here we come, Derek. To what is becoming a weekly question that we have to ask: Did they have sex?
1: Ah. Uh. Oh, I don't know. I, you know what? I didn't get that from the movie.
0: I, I think I could go either way. And, and here's – I see both sides of it because Rick is pretty convinced. And later on he, when he says to her, like, oh, we got a little bit of that back last night, what we had in Paris. But right. we also see – we come back to them and they're in like – they're dressed very formally. So they would have had to have like got all dressed back up afterwards. It w- the next time because we we sort of we cut to like oh it's later on, and they're still sort of dressed not quite to the nines but like pretty close. And I I almost think it was almost coded to be like well it could go one way or the other they may yeah. have they might not have yeah since yeah. you say no I'm gonna say yes
1: yeah I might, yeah yeah
0: so we'll 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 leave it up to the uh, to the listeners here we'll we'll put the question out so we faded. It- you know, fade to you know later on that night. Ilsa is explaining to Rick that she thought Victor was dead while they were together in Paris. And they actually, nobody knew they were married to keep her safe. Uh, she found out he was alive just before they were going to leave together. So Rick is getting the whole story at this point. And she tells Rick that she can't, she's so torn between these two men. She doesn't have the strength to leave Rick again. She's not going to be able to leave Victor. So Rick's going to have to figure this out. At this moment, Rick plans out the rest of the movie. And he gives a, here's looking at you, kid. Victor appears downstairs. He's, you know, with a waiter. We've been seeing this waiter. He becomes kind of a major character throughout the rest of the movie as Sam vanishes for some reason. Yeah, so get, uh, that is
1: weird. I didn't notice that. I was, Where's yeah. Sam and who's this guy?
0: Yeah, but he's, this this waiter's kind of been been around. The, the underground meeting was broken up by the Nazis. They barely escaped. Rick brings the waiter upstairs. And basically says, you need to get Ilsa home without tipping Victor off. And Victor and Rick talk about why Victor keeps fighting. And Victor says, you know, it's like breathing. If we stop breathing, we die. If we stop fighting our enemies, the world dies. And Rick says, it would be out of its misery. You know, again, not to bring it too much back to uh, to current politics. I feel like that may be something that uh, is relevant today. So that, uh, that. yeah, Victor tells Rick that he knows there's something between him and Ilsa. He asks Rick not to give the trans letters to him, but just make sure Ilsa escapes. It's not safe for her in a Casablanca anymore. And he's not just a leader of a cause, although he is a leader of a cause he's, he's a human being. And at this point the Nazis break in, they arrest Victor and we cut right away. Rick's negotiating with Renault for uh, Laszlo's release uh, he's explaining to Renault that he and Ilse are going to be using the letters to escape together, and that they could help get Victor for trying to buy the letters, mm-hmm. and Renault would look good. So they are trying to get Victor on something, yeah. and yeah, because they, they know that the Nazis want Victor dead. Yeah, they got to find a reason basically to kill him. Rick goes to uh, Ferrari to sell his share in the bar, and he makes sure that uh, that Sam. And the rest of the staff get there, you know, are, are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the weird part where Ferrari's kind of like a friendly businessman where Rick's like, Oh, you know, I give him uh, you know, t- 25% of the proceeds or whatever to Sam. And, uh, Ferrari's like, Oh, I know you give him 10, but I'll, yeah, I'll give, I'll give him 25. Cause I'm a great guy who, yeah, just, yeah. who just, who just deals in human trafficking. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, they, they go back to, to Rick's bar, and Renault shows up, and he's attempting to, to arrest Victor. But Rick double-crosses him, pulls a gun on him. You know, at this point, Renault just throwing heat, and Rick's like, you you get to sit down. And, he, and Renault's just like, under the circumstances, <laughs> I will take my seat. I will take my seat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great line, great line. Yeah, and uh, Renault calls Strasser, pretending that he's speaking to the airport to get the plane ready. Yep. Rick, Ilsa, Victor, no, go to the airport, and Rick tells her no to fill in the names Victor and Ilsa in the letters. Ilsa's confused. Ilsa believes that she's leaving with Rick, uh, but Rick is staying behind, and he explains why. And this is, again, one of those times where my words are not going to do it justice, so I'm just going to let the, the movie take it from here. So I'll just read the dialogue. Rick says, if this plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Ilsa asks, what about us? Rick says, we'll always have Paris. We didn't have. We'd lost it until he came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. Ilsa says, when I said I'd never leave you, Rick interrupts her. You never will. Uh, I've got a job to do too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilsa, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now, here's looking at you, kid. Just an absolutely classic it's piece like, of dialogue there. I think I've
1: seen like like maybe 25 movies where at least one of those
0: lines has been parodied in. Right. Right. And it's just, again, we go back to how influential this movie has been. And it's like every scene there's something. Yeah. So Rick even goes further when Victor – sort of comes back around. He tells Victor that Ilsa was pretending to be in love with him to help secure the letters. Rick let her pretend because it made him feel good. But uh, Rick does hand the letters over Victor and Rick shake hands and Victor welcomes him back to the fight. Ilsa and Rick say farewell for the last time. It seems like, and Rick watches the love of his life leave with her husband. Renault is still there. He's watching all of this and he's uh, telling Rick that he's going to have to arrest him. And he knows that Rick was lying. He knows the thing about women and his experience from extorting sex from them, uh, <laughs> but uh, he knows Rick was lying and that he is in love with Ilsa, and Ilsa was in love with him. Strasser arrives here and uh, attempts to report Rick for helping Victor escape, and Rick just shoots him dead. Yep. Yeah. And Rick is back in the fight, you know, completely at this point. Rest of the authorities arrive. Renault tells them that Strasser had been shot. And to round up the usual suspects that we saw at the beginning of the movie,
1: that was the biggest shock to me in the entire movie.
0: Yeah, that Renault.
1: I because he for me it's like he's face, he's hail, he's face, he's hail. Yep, face turn at the end.
0: Yep, comes up big at the end. Renault, unbelievable. Yep. So they take Strasser's body away. Renault and Rick, this this odd couple of these these guys that have this love hate relationship. They watch the plane take off together. And they start making plans to help the resistance. And uh, Louie, Rick says, "I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship."
1: Another line,
0: another one. For end, God's sake, end, end on a grand slam home run. Uh, all right. So did did we did we miss anything? Did we? Uh,
1: we 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 got we got most of it. Yeah, I,
0: I, I think that was a lot. But I mean, Derek, what are what are your thoughts after? I know I've been talking a lot
1: you know it's i think that the biggest thing i took away from this whole movie was that um i don't know it, the the basic i guess goodness in people like um i don't know i i i do feel like humphrey humphrey bogart's character was very uh I don't know. I just couldn't read him very well throughout the entire movie. And at the end, he makes that decision. And, and, and one thing that's become apparent to me in my life and in, in real life is everything else. Being a man sometimes means you just have to deal with shit. Shit comes your way, yeah. just deal with it. That's, that's, if I could tell somebody the definition of being a man, this has nothing to do with the opposite of a female. All I'm saying is that me as a man, all I know is that yeah. I deal with shit. That's my life. Um, and I feel like he dealt with the shit the best that he could and came out on top in the end. And, uh, and I thought he wasn't going to, I thought that, I thought that Renault had him, you know, at the end, like I I saw you and, but you know, he got away with it and, and, and I, and I loved it. Yeah. uh,
0: It it was great. Um, you know, that, uh, that's a great way to put it. You know, Rick is just, I think what that movie thought, what, you know, what is a, a man. And I, you know, I hate to get this, I hate to make this a, you know, super gendered thing. But right, and it's not. like he's, but, but It's we, what you know. makes a good man. Right, exactly, what, a good what man. What makes that? You know, do you do something selfish? Do you sacrifice? Especially, again, right in the thick of World War Two, sacrifice was what you did, mm-hmm. you know, especially as an American, you know, we hear so many times, you know, this is... Yeah, we had to donate all our paper, and we had to do this, and everyone from the home front to the, you know, to the you know, the Western front, we sacrificed as much as we could for the war effort, and you know, Rick sacrificed the love of his life. So let's, yeah, that's what happened in the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. What are you doing? I am not doing any justice to this. Go watch the fucking movie. Bottom line is, it should be watched. It needs absolutely, to be yeah, absolutely. Good. Let's, let's talk about, let's go into some of our, you know, our things we talk about every, every episode here. And let's talk about, uh, you know, what is our favorite thing about this movie, Derek? What, uh, what did you have for your favorite thing?
1: Um, my favorite thing thing would be probably the part that the music plays in the movie. Um, and it's, it's mainly be, it's because I'm a musician and I, I know the power of music and what it can do. Um and I think, like we said earlier, the music almost plays a character, it. and yeah. it, it it and it changes. It changes your mood. It changes the same. And a lot of it's the same song that changes what it means um, in that song. And it's it's just really strong. I, that that's that's my my uh, my number one takeaway. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to disguise everything else that's great about this movie, but that just stood out to me the most.
0: I I would I would agree with that. That's a that's a great way to put it. And by the way, this when I, we say favorite thing. It could be something that like the music. It could be a performance. It could be the direction. It could be anything. Just your favorite thing about the movie. yeah, and
1: just and just to make that clear too. Like I think I'm pretty sure that last time in the Lion King, I said the music as well. This just happens to be a coincidence. I'm not yeah. going to say
0: music every movie. <laughs> I mean, too too well deserving of of that. Right, right. Uh, my favorite thing I would say uh, to me, I had the banter between the characters. Mm. Just like like we said with. You know, with between Ugardi and Rick and Renault and you know Victor to a point, it just every character had this just like just matching wits all the time. I just loved it. It was funny. It was clever. It was. I mean, like we said, the there's so many lines in this movie that are just great. Yep. Yeah. With the positive, with the light comes the dark. Derek. I'm what is give, your least favorite thing about the
1: movie? My, so this this has to do with a a generational thing. Because I think we can all understand that you know, if, if you know, I say to, to you know, 10 of my friends who are the same age, let's go watch Casablanca. Five of them are going to go, I don't want to watch, old. I don't want to watch an old movie. Yeah. Um, because I know that older movies have different tones. They're a little bit more sluggish. There's not a lot of camera work as opposed to nowadays. Um, so this is mainly um, a generational thing. And one thing I can say is that I think this movie needs to be watched more than once. Because, yeah. again, I watched it 10 years ago. Didn't get it. It could have been probably was me at the time. I just forced myself on this movie and then I watched it again. And I, I did think that some things were confusing at times and things happened quick as far as dialogue, as far as who's who, as far as what place each character is. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give this movie another watch at some point, just so I can make sure that I've gotten everything. Cause there's things you can easily miss in this movie. Um, and when you've explained it, I caught things I didn't catch in the movie. Specifically, like facial expressions, the way the music plays different parts, like the things that you mentioned. I was like, that's right, that's true. So, I would just say, I guess if this is a negative, this is probably actually a positive to go watch it again. But my negative is, it, I got confused sometimes and I'm going to watch it again.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah, storytelling evolves. Um, you know, as I, I'm going to say, as time goes by again, but storytelling evolves you know, over time. And you know. I, I think, I hope that this podcast does inspire some people to go back and and watch some older movies Mm -hmm. because you know especially with all these streaming services that we have now you know this is on hbo max uh there's a ton of great classic stuff on there uh there's a ton of great classic stuff on the peacock app netflix has some good stuff as well i actually had this on dvd and i had no idea really okay (laughs) yeah i looked at my i found it i was like oh yeah oh excellent yeah so give it a shot really uh you know older older films can be and oftentimes are better than than more recent films mm-hmm. so you know give it a shot it's a great movie that being said i do have uh my least favorite thing and we mentioned it a little bit ago it is something that comes i think from the the time that this was made where yeah, Renault really, by the definition that we would lose use today, Renault is a rapist. Yeah, and he gets to sort of have the you know walk into the the mist with Rick at the end, and you know get to be sort of the hero at the end. But he is an absolute scumbag. You know, as much as I do love the scene where Rick helps the couple escape, you maybe could have edited out the uh, Renault is gonna forced her to sleep with a portion of it and right. it would have been just fine. Exactly. So that doesn't really doesn't really work. So now let's move on to another thing that we like to do every episode. We like to award our three favorite aspects of the movie. Could be actors, could be a director, somebody who worked on it, three favorite people involved, I would say, with the movie with a bronze, silver, and gold medal, Derek? Let's start with you. Who is your bronze medal winner for this week?
1: All right. Uh, my bronze is going to go to Dooley Wilson, who played Sam. Good choice. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I don't know if it was really him singing or really him playing. There was some moments where I was watching him play piano, and it looked kind of phony. But that doesn't mean he wasn't actually playing in real life. Uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. I think he did a great job. I really liked his character a lot. Especially, he's really loyal. Very loyal, loyal friend. Um, he came, you know, with with Rick... Uh, all the way, all the way there, and everything, and he stayed with them, and he felt like he was going to do anything for them, and I, I just, I love that about certain characters. And his name is Sam, and Sam's tend
0: to be loyal in movies.
1: That's true. Uh, so <laughs> he's my. Sam boss. Is,
0: Sam. Sam Wilson uh, as the Falcon, loyal to Captain America. Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Sam Altarly. Uh, Sam Waltarly, not a movie, but yes, loyal. Your,
1: yep, Lots Sam of loyal. yes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I believe he is. He was a musician, and that's mm-hmm. probably why he didn't get he wasn't in too many scenes where he wasn't singing. Right. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, his version of, as time goes by is, is now considered a classic. It's considered a standard really. And his name uh, is Dooley, which is probably his name is Dooley name Wilson. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my bronze medal uh, went to Claude Rains for playing Renault. And he, you, you may, some people may remember that name you know, they may, yeah, that may ring a bell. He's probably best known outside of this for playing in horror movies. He was the invisible man. He was uh, he was in Wolf the later Wolfman movies. He really was ended up being like a classic universal monster guy. And he would go on after this to be yeah, to be Caesar in Caesar and Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. So he had a great career. But and I, I would say this is probably the crown jewel role of his yep. career. You know, he's, he's been in a lot of great stuff. He's a legendary actor. He's just fantastic in this. He's funny. You know, every line that comes out of his mouth is just sarcastic and hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, bronze medal, Claude Rains. Derek, silver medal, who do you got?
1: Silver medals goes to Herman Hupfeld, who wrote As Time Goes By. Um, oh. And I know he wrote that in the early 30s, and it came out in the early 30s. But it got very popular from this movie. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't research specifically how big of a quote unquote hit this was in the early thirties. Um, I almost took myself out of that and almost didn't care because I have a soft spot in my heart for musicians who, uh, perform and write their whole lives. Then they pass away and then their music becomes famous later. And it wasn't when they were alive. Yeah. Um, and I was just happy for this guy to have had a big success with this song. Cause it obviously got famous because of the movie. Um, for the most part. So like I said, I don't know if it was popular before then so much, but um, great song. Um, a lot of emotion in it. It's, it's, it's a classic. It's a classic
0: song. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It seems like uh, last week I went a little off the wall and you were pretty straightforward. This week, just the opposite. I'm pretty straightforward because uh, my silver medal is going to Ingrid Bergman. She, to me in this movie, it's the ultimate, the girl walks into the bar. Yeah, everyone else who does that is just following in her footsteps. Right. And I, like I said, I think she's beautifully lit in this movie. Her career goes on to be like incredible. She's, she becomes one of the biggest stars in Hollywood yeah. uh, after this, but this is you know one of her first huge roles in America. And she just left an impression, you know, to me, uh, she's, you could see why these two men were in love with this character. Right. And she was a big part of it. So, Derek Gold Medal.
1: We're going with Claude Rains. Wow, Captain Renault. I, I, I you know, he was just—I don't know—he's just the guy in the movie who he makes you laugh, he makes you think. He's just—he's the—he's the colorful guy in the movie. Um, and throughout the movie, I kind of knew he was going to be my gold. Um, and I wasn't sure at one point if it was—it was kind of a toss-up between him and the songwriter because I really like the song. But with with that face turn at the end. Um, that baby face turn, man, I just, regardless of the things he's done, he, he, I thought he did a good thing for a good man and that somehow redeemed himself. Just, just a little bit. I mean, he's done some pretty shitty things and he probably will continue to do shitty things. Excuse my French. Um, but, uh, <laughs> captain, uh, captain, uh, Renault, he's the, uh, he's my gold.
0: Yep. Um, so Claude Rains, great, great job, but there's only one person going to take the gold from me Derek. And that's going to be bogey, Humphrey Bogart. I read, um, I read a book. You know, it was uh, Kitchen Confidential. Anthony Bourdain wrote that uh, book. One of, another, one of my heroes. You know, he said he worked in ten bars in New York City in the '80s, where the owner was just trying to be Humphrey Bogart from Casablanca. <laughs> he becomes before this movie. He was considered sort of like a. He was a mug. He's not a traditionally good-looking guy by any means but he sort of becomes an unlikely sex symbol because of this movie. Right.
1: It's funny you mention that because I think before the movie even started, G and I were talking about like a lot of women were like, oh, Humphrey Bogart's that handsome guy. And, and I even said, I'm like, for me, he's no Cary Grant. Yeah. But, yeah, but okay. like you said, because of this movie, he becomes a sex symbol. I totally get that. Right.
0: Yeah. And and the, the the roles he had before this, and he had some great roles before this were like criminals or tough guys or stuff like that. He's He's almost like, See, I don't. I don't know that there's even necessarily somebody like him. The closest thing I'm thinking of is like a Tom Hardy that we have today. Okay, where he's like maybe he's like he's not like a what you consider like a traditionally super handsome guy. Look, Tom Hardy's a good looking guy. Yeah, but he's on the shorter side. He's stockier. You know, he's in good shape. But you know, th- there's just nobody quite like that. <laughs> and and like I said, I mean, you can go back and listen to what I say about him. He, you see him, this he's so cool in this movie he's influencing James Bond and you know, he's, he's influencing so much to come after him, but you know, this, this movie really puts him up there as one of the great Hollywood legends, I think. So, you know, I, I, for this, for Casablanca, and he's got so many, you know, so many, uh, so many lines that have become, you know, by far, I think uh, the AFI, the top 100 movie quotes, you know, a few years ago and this this movie had more quotes on it than any other and most of them right. came from Bogart so got to give it to Bogart on this
1: one I don't so. I don't know Rick you're, you're making me reevaluate my picks yeah <laughs> cuz uh he was a contender so, and and then hearing you talk about him makes me uh makes me wish I had put him in my top 3
0: but you know so so unfortunately Derek those are locked in
1: locked in forever uh, so send your
0: send your complaints to yeah. <laughs> greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook we are send us an email we're greatest movie at gmail.com and on twitter you can some of the twitter we don't have anybody on the twitter it's 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 slow in there help us out but uh we're just getting going this is we're just getting going this is episode we're four, this is episode, we're, four. We're, this is episode four we're a great movie cast yeah we want to get some uh, we want to get some dialogue going here you know if you've seen this movie if you like it if you didn't like it yeah we want to hear from you as well if you agree with derek and think i'm wrong for for putting bogey uh, as my gold medal winner, let us know. I want to hear it. And we'll, we'll talk about it in the next week's episode. So yes. yeah, let us know by the way, everybody, we're actually on Apple podcast. Now it would be really helpful to the podcast. If you could rate and review, uh, we're the greatest movie of all time. There's a couple of podcasts that have similar names. Look for our logo. You can see it on all our social media. Uh, but when you write and review us, we're going to come up with searches and we're going to get more listeners So, please, that would be extremely helpful to us. Uh, Another thing we like to do every week is we like to talk about what this movie did best. Because, while not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time, only one can be that. And we're going to find out which one, because we're going to watch every movie ever made. I think every movie can be said to do one thing better, at least one thing better than any other movie has ever done. Uh, Derek, do you have any you know, anything that this movie has done better than any other movie?
1: I'll say it again, and I will say I couldn't believe the face turn at the end of this movie. I was convinced, convinced. I'm like, I don't remember the ending of this movie specifically how things end up. Before. Rick's going to
0: sacrifice himself to Renault. Exactly. Yeah. I yep. did
1: not think that Renault was going to be like, go get the usual suspects. And, and he just, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I was like, <laughs> that was the best baby face turn uh, that I've seen in WWE history right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the thing that does better than anything else. I don't remember a movie where I was like completely shocked at a character's transformation in like a split second um, for me. So that, that's, that's my thing. Yeah.
0: So I've got, I've got two and, but you usually have three, but these are, these are two big ones. These are maybe the two biggest. This is the best bar in the history of cinema. Okay. Okay. I think it's, it maybe be one neck and neck with the cantina in star Wars. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give this Rick's Cafe American. They have the um, I think in Universal Studios in Florida. I think they have the like the facade uh, that you can that you can walk by. It's really cool. Um, I have one of the bar mo- the one of the bar
1: that I truly truly love. But we'll save that you, for another. Well, it's a, it's in an, a pretty unknown movie um, uh, starring Danny Aiello. It's called Dinner Rush. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. And it's the bar is great. But anyways, I, I digress. Go ahead.
0: Uh, and number two, and this this one's near and dear to my heart. This is the best Rick in the history of cinema. No I, other no other Rick approaches Rick Blaine.
1: You might be right about that.
0: Folks, if you can think of any other Rick. I mean, Rick Flair's not in a movie.
1: I mean there's a good Rick
0: in Freaked with Alex
1: Winner, but that's a whole different ballgame.
0: None of the King Richards come close, I feel like. Yeah. That's true, Richard counts, but really yeah. Rick. So those are those are the two I think. If you've got anything that we didn't mention, let us know. If you can think of a different Rick that's better, we'll keep track of the Ricks and the Derricks as we go through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, for some reason, I feel like our names are not quite there that much in cinema. There's a couple of Derricks in there, but there's more yeah. Rich Richards than yeah. Rick's. But right. Rick's and Derricks. And if you take away the D, I'm, I'm a Rick
0: you're a wreck is what you not, are.
1: yeah but no one's like hey Derek Derek yeah. they're like Derek Derek Derek
0: yeah but if you if you put your name as R-E-K they yeah wreck.
1: I mean everyone spells my like my name that like that anyway everyone spells it wrong so really I'm just a Derek so I'm just gonna take it or you're I'll just be fucking, R-E-K that'll be my name could
0: be. you're fucking derelict is what you are yeah, that's but true too. <laughs> so uh talked about that and uh Let's talk about another thing that we like to talk about every episode, and that is the Oscars. Oh God! uh, From that year, I don't know what came out that year. (laughs) So yeah, this is this is a tough one to do um, because you know I haven't seen. I think any of these movies, I've heard of a few, but I I don't believe I've seen any of them. I've read one of the books that one of these movies is based on, but uh, we'll 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 talk about that in a second. So it wins three big ones. Uh, It wins Best Picture. It was uh, nominated against For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is the book I read, Uh, Heaven Can Wait, The Human Comedy, In Which We Serve, Madame Curie, The More the Merrier, The Ox Bow Incident, The Song of Bernadette, and Watch on the Rhine. I've heard of a few of these. I've not seen a single one. Same here. All right. Uh, So let's just say they they won that. Uh, Yeah. Standing motion picture. Great job. Best Director. Michael Curitz wins, beats Ernst Lubitsch for Heaven Can Wait, Clarence Brown for The Human Comedy, George Stevens, The More the Merrier, and Henry King for The Song of Bernadette. Again, can't say too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, come Uh, on. This this director wins.
0: Yeah, and it it does win uh, Best Screenplay as well, beats a bunch of other movies I haven't heard of. Here's where it may get a little controversial. It is nominated for three acting categories, and it does not win a single one. Okay. Best actor, Bogey is nominated. He loses to Paul Lucas for Watch on the Rhine. Again, we haven't heard it. He's also nominated against Gary Cooper, in for whom the bell tolls, Walter Pigeon for Madame yep. Curie. Wow. Uh, and Mickey Rooney in the human comedy. I mean,
1: I'm sorry, but you, it, it's difficult to go up against Mickey Rooney and win anything.
0: Let me. Uh, the guy can me do d- everything. D- I'm just going to read Mickey Rooney's character name in the human comedy. His name is Homer Macaulay. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm sure he danced, sang, played drums, and did blackface in that movie. Yeah. Which is why he probably didn't win, is because of the blackface.
0: I mean, in 1942, he probably would have won because of blackface, so. (laughs) So, uh, my apologies. Uh, Best actress, Ingrid Bergman, is nominated, but for Whom the Bell Tolls, not For Casablanca.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. She had a good year that year.
0: She had a good year. She doesn't win. Jennifer Jones for The Song of Bernadette. Jean Arthur for The More the Merrier. Joan Fontaine for The Constant Nymph. Quite the title. And Greer Garson as Madame Curie and Madame Curie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, I haven't seen those uh if, if if by the way if you guys have ever seen any of these let us know because we want to we want to know we if if these are worthy of a, an episode coming up soon oh, well,
1: I mean, exactly they're going to come up eventually because they'll come up eventually of all time but, but soon. maybe soon
0: yeah soon sooner rather than later so you know if we want to take a look at those maybe for whom the bell tolls that might be interesting but any else let
1: here's me know. a quick thing i thought of and this this absolutely means nothing but it just came to my brain so i want to say it in the movie the godfather um, when Al, Al Pacino and Diane Keaton are walking down the street and, and, and Michael Colleone finds out that his father's been shot. Um, she asks him if, she, if he would like her better if she were Ingrid, Berg, Ingrid Bergman. And I don't know why, but I remember hearing that name in the past and being like, oh, she must have been a famous actor from the 40s or whatever, because that takes place in the 40s as well. And that movie must have just come out. This is the, probably the reason why she said that, or she was really famous at the time.
0: Um, well, yeah, Michael. Michael's just coming back from World War II, so yeah, exactly. You know, that exactly. post-war era, the you know, late war, post-war era—that was yep. Bergman's like big, yeah, uh, big, you know, run there. So, but anyway, back to so best supporting actor, uh, Claude Rains is is nominated. Uh, he loses to Charles Coburn for "The More the Merrier," and his character name is Benjamin Dingle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great last name. What is what a surname?
0: Benjamin Dingle. Benjamin Dingle. Yep. Um, again, some of the some of the same. I mean, the same movies are being uh, being nominated here. So, right. you know, if if any any not any movies from Forty Two other than uh, other than Casablanca that you want to see us do, let us know. Rick, but, I'm going to
1: turn the tables today. Okay. If, if I'm allowed to. Okay. I think today. I think this episode here and be, I be because I over this time seeing how passionate you are about this movie and how much you love it. I think it would only be, you know, right for you to do.
0: Me to do the 30 seconds. Do the 30
1: seconds. Cause I feel like you have, I just want to hear what you have to say in 30 seconds uh, for okay. this specific film.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh, start the, start the clock. You know, I'm not prepared for this. I'm, I'm legitimately doing this off the, off the cuff here. So yeah, this is a surprise to me. So let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do.
1: It's a surprise to me every episode, too, because I always forget. (laughs) (laughs) You always forget, yeah. (laughs) All right, you ready?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. Ready, go. Folks, we talked about it before. There is not a movie that is more influential, in my opinion, than this. Uh, You have one of the great lead actor performances of all time. You have one of the most beautiful women in the history of cinema. You have great comedy. You have iconic scenes. What can you possibly need other than that?
1: Okay. That was 21 seconds.
0: All right. All right. I, I can just say it. I can just say it that quickly. Good. I mean, excellent. Yeah. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about the Casablanca ad nauseum at this point. I think you're, we may be longer than the movie at this point, but uh, if, you, if you, if you're stuck in there, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you listening. Really do. Um, let us know what you think of it. If you've seen it before, and you have thoughts and memories stories about you know, this movie if you haven't seen it before you gave it a shot if for some reason you don't want to watch black and white movies just let us know why we want to know uh what can we what can we do what types of movies would you like to see us do
1: yes and that's a big thing too is if you people listening if you if there's a movie you really want us to do and and that'll help you get into conversation with us just please let us know we would
0: love to love to do it yeah we absolutely love hearing from you so this week was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. We, we talked about it. I love it next week. You said you wanted to do one of your favorite movies. Yeah. So what are we going to be talking about in our next episode?
1: We are going to do the 1968 classic
0: Oliver. All right. This is a movie I've never seen. This will be the first one that we've done as an episode that I have not seen. So this should be interesting. Yes. It'll be uh it is a, is a musical uh, as you said. So, Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that uh, see how that goes yes Uh, you know i i hope that you uh you join us for that that'll be a fun one Uh, i can't wait i don't know what to expect
1: and that's the best part i just can't (laughs) wait for you to just i can't wait to see what you think of this movie
0: all right excellent so derek any final thoughts on casablanca before we go (laughs) uh go watch
1: casablanca go watch old movies um it's a classic and thank you for listening
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. I have been your co host, Rick Barrasso.
1: And I have been your co host, Mr. Derek Smith.
0: Remember, everybody, the world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. <laughs>